On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Laku Adedoyan. He is the CTO of Cancer IQ. We're going to be talking about how do you communicate the why of engineering work. I know a lot of times engineers are focused on driving and shipping code out, but a lot of times we need to really look at how do you align engineering work to broader company goals, you know, translating that down to the daily motivation. And also, uh, as we always kind of touch on, is um, you got to explain technical debt to the broader organization. That seems to crop up on a lot of episodes, but we're going to get Laku's point of view. And hey, Laku, I'm, I'm super excited for you to be on. Thanks. Thank you, Amir. And it's a pleasure being here. And um, yeah, my name is Laku Adedoin. I'm the CTO of Cancer IQ. And our mission is to help end cancer as we know it. And um, this is a software-focused podcast. So as you can guess, I'm not a pharmaceutical company. I'm not part of a pharmaceutical company or research lab. Um, basically, what the Cancer IQ platform does, it enables medical practitioners and physicians to accurately collect data and identify risk for individuals and give in individuals information to act on that risk. Because as we know, the sooner you get any information related to cancer, the sooner you can act on it. Absolutely. I mean, it's a great company mission. And I guess, you know, this ties in a good segue to the topic of the why of engineering work. And as I kind of said uh, at the top of the show, engineers drive a lot and ship code. That's their job. But the why behind it, I hear more and more. Everyone likes to you know, have a vested interest, have a broader understanding, be a part of the mission. Obviously, Cancer IQ has got a great mission, and that's, a, that's an easy one to kind of convey. But still, obviously, a lot of work goes into it. And, and once you're in the day-to-day and you're actually coding on a daily basis, losing your focus and you know, the why behind it does shift. But when you look at the why of engineering work and, you know, talking about aligning to the broader company goals, I guess, what do you see in terms of your job and helping your team understand that? Maybe let's talk about your role and how that works first. So, um, you know, as you said, I mean, at Cancer IQ, it's a softball exercise because that mission is something that everybody can relate to. We're only so many degrees of separation away from somebody that's either impacted or whatnot in, with, with respect to cancer. So, but, you know, taking that mission and say, you know, almost on a daily basis to kind of relating that to what you're doing as an engineer, what you're shipping, how you're shipping code and how that code impacts that broader mission is, I guess, key. And I think, you know, if you step down from kind of the mission of a company and you know it's always one form of changing the world right we kind of know that and whether you're actually doing that or not is is, it's a different question but typically an organization would have some some sort of revenue goal and that one is a little bit difficult to kind of translate into engineering terms what is more accessible is our goals that are related to the customer Um, i think one of the facets of at least engineers that I work with is engineers like to build things that are used by people, you know, not things that just go into a black hole. You know, a long time ago there was the concept of vaporware, and I think you know maybe thirty percent of all software was vaporware. But after the SaaS revolution, where you continually had to, you know, engage the customer and continually uh, reaffirm the customer's commitment because they could easily switch platforms, it is much easier to see that direct impact. And I think. The smile on the customer face from a qualitative perspective is one of those things that needs to be transmitted to the engineering team. And you do that like with, you know, objective measures like, you know, NPS and track NPS as related to, for example, your code releases and see how that is impacted. One of the more powerful tools as well is this qualitative kind of anecdotes, but from the customer, right? This is where the partnership with the customer success organization is key so that they can actually 
you know, transfer that information to engineering. And, and as a CTO, kind of, I'm that conduit, right? I'm, I'm constantly watching for, you know, the customer interactions with the customer success team and seeing if, if there's anything to highlight there, you know, good, you know, sometimes bad, but hopefully good. And then I could then send it to my, I'll give it to my team and then present it to my team or, or have the customer success team present to my team and say, hey, you know, this customer was extremely satisfied. And I think that that's one of the common denominators for all kind of software systems, right? You, you have a customer, you have a user, you have somebody that gets value from it. And, and me, kind of an engineering leadership and, and kind of engineering leaders are, in my mind, need to be able to connect the dots from other organizations and then express that to the engineers and say, look, this is what you did, you know, two sprints ago. Or this is what you did in the last quarter of the roadmap. And, and that's kind of my role, a significant part of my role on a daily basis to be that conduit of information from the customer um, to, to the engineering team. Absolutely. I guess when you're, when you're working with your managers, your direct reports, obviously you're at the C-suite level, your understanding of a lot of different moving parts within the org that not everyone else might have the visibility, right? So your why is all encompassing. You're in a different uh, echelon of that why potentially, and maybe you're not, and, and you can answer the question based on how you see fit. But when you're working with your direct reports, obviously everyone wants to know where the you know cancer IQ, obviously you're trying to solve cancer. That's the easy one. But then the next level down, there's phases, there's roadmaps that the company has. And then obviously your team has to stay focused on the near term to achieve those goals. How do you translate some of those product roadmap, you know, future growth opportunities so that it it's distilled enough that you know, the team, your managers know what to do to focus their teams, but enough so that they still are seeing the bigger picture and they kind of have that broader visibility. Mm -hmm. Well, first off, I think revenue and financial metrics are, are very bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in everything. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's a lag indicator. It's a worse indicator. Yeah. But, you know, um, at the sea level, obviously, it's part of kind of my incentive and, and, and part of what I'm measured against. Yes. But that doesn't, you know, taking that and just one-to-one -one telling the engineering team, well, okay, the, the target is, you know, $20 million in revenue or, or whatever the target might be. It's just not useful at all. That's where, you know, kind of that roadmap, the roadmap uh, you mentioned is kind of the embodiment of the customer to a certain degree. And the partnership with the product management organization is is, is key. And I'm, I have kind of historically, in kind of my experience, very, very much leaned on the product management organization to the extent that I led one for, for a bit I mean, in the past. And, you know, being able to look at that roadmap and look at every item in that roadmap and not just express it in terms of releases. And obviously, a release is an activity. It's just you can release anything, anytime, you know, you can have continuous development, continuous deployment and release it continuously. But the key thing that I focus on and I help I make sure that the product management teases out is, you know, what is the outcome? What is, if we release this on Monday, on Tuesday, what is going to be better in the life of the customer? And if we can express that, and you find that if you spend energy expressing that into the roadmap, then that translates almost by itself to motivation for the engineering team. So that outcome is expressed in terms of value to the customer. So, you know, what could they do on Tuesday that they couldn't do on Monday? And, and if you can hone in on that, then you can actually give that to the managers, give that to my direct reports and say, you know, let's all focus on getting this thing done on Monday so that on Tuesday we can actually measure and we can see this impact it has 
ultimately on, on the customer. And you find out that those things are very easy to express. They might not be easy to tease out, and it takes some rigor on the product management side to actually be able to articulate it. But once you find that, it's actually a very simple statement, or it's a very simple bunch of metrics that anybody can understand. And it doesn't create additional overhead in an engineer's mind when they're coding, right? It's something they can grasp and they can actually handle. Absolutely. I guess the flip side question would be is, you know, bringing that, hey, you know, what impact can you bring to the customer that they didn't previously have, you know, a week, a day, two weeks, a month ago? That's definitely something that's, especially in your industry, I could see that's going to bring people's attention. Hey, let's drive. I guess on the flip side, then there's always the, when you're looking at the why of engineering work is there is a point in which frustration sets in, things haven't gone well, and you lose focus. I mean, people in their daily lives do this, let alone, you know, within the engineering spaces, you get frustrated, you start losing focus on the bigger picture. How do you help the team bring that focus back when they've run into a roadblock, they've run into something where it's like, oh, you see team members getting frustrated. You got to bring that daily motivation back, bring them centered to being able to, you know, help them push past and, and solve the problems they need to. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And, and, and I think one of the ways that I like to help organizations address that and teams address that is you need to distill the message to its simplest form and keep to those principles. And, and actually articulate it. It comes back to kind of what I said. If all you're focusing on is the release dates in a roadmap or without, you know, actually articulating, you know, what those outcomes are, then you're stuck with the release date. And, you know, when things go bad as or go tough, <laughs> as they invariably will due to externalities or even internal things, and you, you're looking at missing the release date, it kind of snowballs. You miss the release date once, you miss it a second time, and then you're like, okay, why are we doing this? And, you know, this is just tedious and, and it's not really motivating. But if you can come back to that core concept and say, well, yes, the customer is able to do this and that's what they're waiting for, you'll see that, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, is kind of there and it's very easy to rinse and repeat. And like with any message, right? It's not against anything to repeat. In fact, you have to constantly repeat, just like forming a habit, right? You know, you constantly go to the gym, so you have to do it regardless, rain or shine. You go and then you form that habit and then it becomes ingrained. Likewise, with a kind of, um, let's say, a big feature that, you know, takes maybe a quarter or two quarters to release. And sometimes you might lose your way. But if you can have very simple metrics or very simple articulation of the outcome, that is something that, you know, if you wake an engineer up or a product manager up at midnight, they could easily tell you in addition to everything else they're thinking of. So I think that is it, because as much as you can repeat, you're not going to be there all the time. You need it to be something simple so that the individual can remember it themselves. They need to ultimately be self-motivating to a certain degree, because you cannot be there 24-7 and it becomes onerous 24-7. If they cannot recall it themselves, because it's some complicated or it's an abstract concept, or it's $200 million in revenue target, which you know you don't have any relation to, you can't influence as an engineer, there's so many moving parts, then it's difficult, then you lose sight. But I think that the simpler the message, the more to the point of the customer it is, the easier it is for each individual to recollect it. Absolutely. I guess I was just thinking, as you're mentioning this, the you know distilling the message to the simplest form, we're talking about motivation. I guess when you start to take all this and the employees feel like, you know, they should have 
skin in the game. They feel committed to the cause of producing the shippable work. How much do these important steps factor into employee retention, right? If, you know, do you see, I guess the question I was, I'm going to ask is, do you see if somebody really understands the company's mission on the broadest form, it's not just release date, it's not just driving code, code, code. I mean, that to me, if you can pull that off, your employee retention is definitely going to be higher than otherwise. It has an impact, I'm sure. And, you know, I think it's very difficult to run an A-B experiment on, yes. <laughs> on this. <laughs> I mean, you know, intuitively, you know, it kind of makes sense, right? You know, and there, there are many other things that impact kind of employee retention. I, I think, if nothing else, it is definitely something that will not detract or that will not cause kind of turnover. I mean, it's either it's neutral or it's net positive, right, at the end of the day in relation to all the other factors. So I think you're right in, in that. And, um, you know, I think it makes for a more kind of healthy organization in general, not just engineering teams. Yeah, it's funny because I, yeah, and I, and I think it, yeah, this is the art in the engineering uh, management layer. There's very little science in, in this topic because people's emotions, but I talked to a lot of people that who, when they change jobs, part of it is they simply just can't see. They're so deep within the, the daily rut that they forgot even why they joined a company. and. And I think, you know, the why of engineering work, you know, as you've kind of distilled it, I think the clearer that message gets for an employee, I think it's easier for them to go back to it. And I think, unfortunately, when you said using release dates as motivation, I think that drum can wear thin very quickly. No one gets up in the morning saying this arbitrary date is missed. What about it? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think it's actually, for software organizations, it's a broader question, not just engineering. I mean, every person in that organization needs to have that level of understanding because, you know, arguably for a product and technology company like Answerac, you and others, the software IP is the most important, you know, part of the, uh, of the company. So, yes, you want to ensure that the engineering team is absolutely and kind of motivated and absolutely understands the, the mission and the goalposts. But that applies to everybody else. Unless you are a very, very small startup, you invariably have a customer success team. You might have a product management team and, and, and a sales team, hopefully. And there's a lot of collaboration between engineering and others. So it, it helps for everybody to be on that same page as opposed to engineers just being siloed. And I think one of my jobs as an engineering leader is, like I said, the conduit to not just the customer feedback, but as a conduit to all the other organization, all the other teams within the organization is critical. I think it's interesting, obviously, being able to quarterback all those different views and channel it into engineering to keep them focused is quite a job. I'm sure it keeps you busy uh, constantly. And I used to be in the engineering world. I'm in the recruiting world now. I have a kind of this weird relationship between the two I straddle. And sometimes when I look at this why of engineering work and I talk to engineering leaders, I'm like, forget your job spec. Get the why out because you know you, you want a developer. They can all code. I mean, unless you really have to have five years, four years ago, everyone can pick it up. But everyone wants to know well, why should I work there? It's more of the driver than the spec. And a lot of times, you know, that's the hard part for actually when it comes to the talent team is tying back into how do you convey the why of the work? Because there's a lot of orgs that are trying to hire, and the internal teams they always want to drive referrals and drive. You know, hey, tell people, but they're not going to do it if they really deep down don't feel that's, you know, people should join and they're actually an ambassador, that ambassador component of that why, then 
helps, like you mentioned, the broader organization carry out the name and you know the mission, drive people to join, drive customers. Obviously, you know, longer story, but I always am hoping to get engineering leaders to tell us more about why, because that's what attracts people. Yeah, I think you know it's everybody has kind of potentially cool technology, you know, cool frameworks, whatever. You know, there's unless you're completely green fields, there's some level of support involved. In which case, count yourself lucky because you have customers. Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then layering on top of that, you know, what is the mission of the company? And I, I said, you know, the Cancer IQ is very, very fortunate that you know it lends itself to a very easy answer. Okay, our mission is to end cancer, but you know, I think fundamentally. In the broader sense, you know, you want to make customers, you know, be happy, and I, and I don't mean that as you know, just smiling and joyous and, and whatnot. But you know, being able to get value and utility from kind of the platform of the software that kind of you're delivering as an engineering team or as a software organization, and if you can kind of hone in on on that, then I think that that is the key. I mean, it's really you know, what is going to be different? As simple and as innocuous. It might be, you know, what is going to be different on the Tuesday after the Monday release? It, you know, you don't have to be solving cancer. You don't have to be, you know, maybe solving the flu vaccine or the COVID vaccine or, or whatnot. I am very particular about healthcare and life sciences. And it could be anything, but if you can phrase it in, in the customer speak, then you have an, an audience and, you know, some developers that are aligned with that cause or with that mission that could be motivated and are more motivated to be in your engineering team. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to touch on the one thing that kind of might tie into some of this conversation and I just want to get your viewpoint. So obviously there's a roadmap. Engineers have to understand the why. To get to the why, sometimes decisions have to be made to accomplish company goals. And obviously a lot of times, you know, the term technical debt itself has way different meanings to different people, but <laughs> sometimes you have to, and I hate the term, it's not cutting corners. Technical doesn't have to be writing bad code. It's just decisions that might have shorter term versus longer term ramifications. But the organization has to understand that because, again, we're talking about at the C-level product team, they have their goals. Engineering has to deliver. When you're interacting with the other non-engineering leaders in the company and you need them to understand the trade-offs that you and your team have to make, how do you handle that conversation? Because that's, you know, you got to distill that to a point where they can be okay or they're on board with, you know, some of those decisions. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. It's a, it's a multifaceted answer. It's just a, an interesting thing that yeah, I recently hired a, a super senior project manager and, and she calls it not tech debt, she calls it tech love. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll start using that. Okay, there we go. <laughs> but I think, you know, fundamentally, like with any audience, right, you have to tailor the message to the audience. So, you know, it's really not a whole lot of value if I'm talking to my peer as a head of sales that, well, we need to upgrade to the latest version of Angular or the latest version of React or the later version of whatever framework X, Y, and Z. It doesn't mean anything kind of to them. It's like, okay, well, great. You know, you're telling me that but I have no context. So the important thing is, translating that into language that they can understand one of the you know money we talked about revenue earlier in the show obviously money in terms of expense is something that you know cfos understand (laughs) how much money this will kind of save us if we kind of streamline if we simplify kind of the system in healthcare and life sciences or on other regulated industries you know compliance is a big topic so saying you know the investment in kind of tech love 
helps us remain compliant and such that, you know, those IT questionnaires can be filled out more easily and then it reduces the sales friction. Ultimately, again, that's something that the sales leader can understand and, and get behind. And then, you know, in terms of employee, kind of the employee hiring and on onboarding process and kind of employee churn, it is very important, you know, I don't talk about, you know, let's keep our infrastructure up to date. Like I say, you know, let's keep it up to date because we want to keep on hiring people, right? You know, if, if you remain on COBOL, for example, then the, the set of, of developers that you can hire is very limited at this point in time. And, you know, obviously that's an exaggerated example, but that's the kind of concept. We have to continue investing in ourselves because, you know, one, you know, we need to stay on top of security. We need to stay on top of hiring and make sure that, you know, we're hiring the best and the brightest that we can afford and that we can get. You know, in some cases, it is direct customer satisfaction. You know, it's direct impact to NPS where, you know, you're, for example, uh, making changes to the application that makes it easier for a customer to achieve whatever they're achieving. So, you know, from a sales perspective, it's net zero because the feature already exists, right? So the sales guy will say, I don't care. It doesn't sell one more deal. But then you say, well, the NPS goes higher. And as we all know, the best salesperson of your software is actually your existing customer. If you can get the customer to sell it for you, then you're golden. Now, that might not be job security for the sales team. but <laughs> So those are the kinds of things that you know, I have to do and engineering leaders have to do to be, you know, translate you know, what we need to do to my peers. And, and one of the things that I've kind of found also successful is you know, expressing the engineering bandwidth as essentially a pie chart. And, you know, it's a zero-sum game within that pie, pie chart. And, you know, part of it has to go to roadmap activities. Part of it has to go to customer support. Part of it has to go to what I call infrastructure tech love, right? And, you know, as an executive team, you know, we agree for a period of time, this is how the pie chart is going to look because, you know, we believe these are the challenges for the company in the upcoming either financial year or quarter or whatnot. And then we track towards that. That is one example of kind of a principle where we say at the highest level, we're going to spend 50% on the roadmap, 20% on customer support, and 30% on tech love. We can agree to that. And then when we get into the minutia of details, you know, toward the middle of the quarter where, you know, a sales deal is not going as well, and we want to push the organization to do something, we have a reference point and say, well, hey, as a team, we all agree that the ratio is going to be 50, 20, 30. We can make a conscious decision to change that, but know that there's going to be an impact. If you don't spend on infrastructure, then it's going to bite you subsequent quarters. But essentially, it allows you that simple kind of decision-making matrix to at least go back to refer to something that is outside of the immediate day and now. It's like, okay, yes, we want to sell this deal right now, so let's change something. And if you don't have a reference point, then you will always acquiesce to whatever the conversation is, whatever the topic is yours. Absolutely. Man, I, I appreciate you coming on. I think a uh, ton of great content. I think uh, obviously the mission for what you guys are doing is fantastic. And I I love the viewpoints. If somebody wants to continue the conversation with you, what's a good way of uh, somebody getting a hold of you? Is it you know social media? Is there a preferred way? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of very responsive. So you can find me on LinkedIn. It's very easy. My name is somewhat unique. It's Laku Adedoin. You can hit me up on LinkedIn or even shoot me a direct email, laku at canceriq.com. Very easy. All right, man. We'll include those in the show notes again. Uh, thanks for being on. Thanks for sharing. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you, Emir. Thank you for this opportunity and um, have a good day.
Absolutely. That's it for this episode. We'll be back again, different guests, different topic. Until then, I always ask for two things. One, if uh, there's a topic you want me to speak to, uh, let me know. I'll do my best to find a guest to do that. And you know, if you found the podcast useful, share it with somebody else who might. That's how we grow. And I appreciate everyone that shares the podcast weekly. I, that's been a fantastic thing to watch. But until next time, goodbye. Thank you.